Hola, hello. Thank you for tuning in to Mujeres in the Know. Hey everyone, how is it going today? It's Natalie here, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you a new episode for season four. So today we'll be speaking to a very special mujer, and her name is Erna Desaro. Edna is the Executive Vice President for Lone Star National Bank, as well as the Marketing Director. So tune into this episode to get to know Edna on a more personal level, and she's going to share some really great stories on how she manages to work in such a volatile industry, banking, how her dance teacher drove through the motor bank and sent her resume through the teller tube, how losing her father taught her how to express her emotions and not to bottle them up. So let's go ahead and bring Edna in. Can you tell us where were you born and raised, and can you share with the listeners a little bit about your upbringing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you for having me um, on your podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you, um, talking to you a little bit about me. And so, yeah, I'd love to share with everyone. I mean, I was uh, born in Laredo, Texas. It's uh, a small town, about almost four hours, three and a half hours from here. Uh, I was born in Laredo, Texas, but I was raised here in McAllen. My parents moved to McAllen when I was about maybe two and a half years old. So I like to say I'm from McAllen. I mean, I still say I'm proud to say that I was born in Laredo. I, I consider that still home. I, st- I have family there. And in my summers, I would still go and visit my grandmother and spend time with my family, my mom's family. But I was raised here in McAllen. And I was raised by two very loving parents. I was raised in a very humble, um, I come from very humble beginnings. And, you know, my parents uh, worked very hard and taught me about the value of working hard and staying focused. And uh, I, I love to share with you guys, I was definitely a daddy's girl. Um, my my father was, was basically my Prince Charming, and he was uh, very supportive and a big cheerleader. And my mother was also my biggest cheerleader ever. And so my loving parents pushed me to, to really reach for my dreams. And so I was very blessed to have both of my parents raising me. You know, you hear so often about children not having both of their parents uh, raising them. And I I consider myself very blessed, very, very blessed that I had both my mom and my dad uh, raise me when I was when I was growing up. And from a very, very early age, my my mother was actually very supportive about me becoming involved in extracurricular activities and uh, for this will be fun for some people to know. Uh, I, I grew up taking dance lessons. I was a Melba's girl. I grew up and taking dance lessons. I started when I was three years old, very young age, doing ballet, tap, jazz. I did it all. And by the time I was in high school, I started teaching dance. I started uh, teaching dance after school and I started teaching dance on the weekends. The dance school was basically my second home when I was growing up. So all the way through my senior year. And when I ended up going to TCU, uh, go Horn Frogs, I went to TCU in Fort Worth. I ended up uh, taking a ballet class. This is funny. I ended up taking a ballet lesson just for fun. And in my first class, because it was an extracurricular course that I was taking and uh, my professor, my dance professor walked up to me and whispered in my ear while, while I was at the ballet bar. And she says, what are you doing in this class? You're too advanced for this class. And I said, well, I was taking an extracurricular activity course. And she says, you need to come and, and audition and I need you in my dance company at the, at the university. So, it, you know, I loved dance. I was It was something that came very natural to me. And I think it's just because I, I loved expressing my emotions through dance. You know, my parents didn't go to college. I, I'd share that with you guys. Both of them didn't have an opportunity to go to college. 
very smart. My father was very street smart and a very smart businessman. You know, it came very natural to him. And I feel like I got a lot of my business savvy from him. And so even though my parents didn't get an opportunity to go to go to college, they were very big on education. And so they, they knew that education was going to be key to my success. And they were very supportive about me going to college and pursuing my dreams. So by the time my junior, senior year came around, a lot of the conversations at the dinner table were, okay, Edna, you're almost there at the finish line for high school. And what's next? So I, I have a great sense of admiration and respect for my parents that even though they didn't have the opportunity to go to college and do everything that I've had the privilege of, of, of doing in undergrad school and I even went to graduate school, they were extremely supportive. So uh, my parents were, were amazing uh, parents and so I, I just was very blessed growing up. Oh, wow. That's so cool that you were a dancer. Do you still like to dance, Edna? You know, I love to dance, but I'm not going to say that I'm a good dancer still. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, but I, I love to dance. I feel like I have that rhythm and I, you know, dance is such a beautiful form of expressing emotions, you know, and whether you're dancing uh, at home or dancing in your kitchen while you're cooking dinner or, or you're going out and having a good time with friends or at a wedding or a quinceanera, I think it's part of our culture. You know, dance is just music. You know, I've traveled all over the world. I've been very, very blessed to have an opportunity to travel to so many different parts of the world. And I've always said that music is something that connects all of us. We may not speak the same language. We may not have the same culture. But when you hear the beat of music, it doesn't matter what part of the world you're in. Your body just starts bouncing to it. It's just, it speaks to our soul, you know, and yeah. I, I learned to appreciate that about music. I love that. I love that so much. Thank you so much mm -hmm. for sharing that, Edna. You're the executive vice president for Lone Star National Bank and the marketing director. Correct. So I have to ask you, what motivated you to enter the world of banking? And when did you start your career with Lone Star National Bank? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. You know, it's, it's so interesting because it brings back really fond memories. Um, and I'm talking about like way back when I was in college, when I was at Texas Christian University, my, my sophomore year, the financial services industry really grabbed my attention when I, I was part of the um, business school um, at TCU. And, you know, this is kind of interesting information that a lot of people don't know. I was kind of torn whether I wanted to go into marketing or finance. And my sophomore year in college, I was taking both obviously finance and marketing classes. But I, I really enjoyed my marketing classes. I enjoyed the, the most, most than anything, I enjoyed putting together the projects, creating marketing plans, creating brands, you know, creating advertising campaigns, marketing campaigns. Like I really enjoyed that. And every time that there was a presentation for class, um, I was always chosen to be the team leader. And, uh, and, and, you know, we did really well, my teams in, in college, we did very well. And I giggle about it because it, it was just awesome. It was so much fun. And I had one marketing professor that walked up to me after class one day. And he says to me, he says, have you ever considered going into broadcast journalism? And I said, uh, no, actually. And he says, you know, you would be very good on TV. You know, you're very animated and you're very um, articulate and you're very good in front of an audience. You would be very good on TV. And, you know, and it's interesting because, you know, fast forward to today, I do a lot of camera work. You know, matter of fact, throughout my entire career, I mean, I've been in banking for 24 years and throughout my entire career, I've always done TV stuff, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm talking about like 
from the very beginning of my career, I've done commercials both for the bank and I've done commercials. I've done radio work for different companies across the valley that have hired my voice throughout the years. Um, I've done, I used to have a real estate show. It used to be called Sell It on KRGV Channel 5 every Sunday morning. Um, I had a real estate show. Yeah. And every Sunday morning I was, I was on channel five promoting homes and real estate. I did that for five years, but my banking career has spanned for 24 years here at Lone Star. I've been here for 19 years. And so, you know, definitely banking is not a job for me. It's definitely a career. And I knew when I was in, in college that I wanted to be in banking and it's, I have a real funny story how I actually ended up getting my first interview 20, 24 years ago in banking. My dance teacher calls me up one day. It was my senior year in college. And she says, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, you know, my dad's really sick. My senior year, my, my daddy was really sick. I ended up getting a job offer to go work in Philadelphia for a publishing house. I was interning in downtown Fort Worth for a publishing house and they really liked my work and they said that I had a really promising career in marketing research and they wanted me to go work for them out of their Philly office. And so they offered me a full-time job before I even graduated. And I remember having a conversation with my mom and I was really excited to tell her that I had just gotten this job offer and I still had about three months before I graduated, but she starts telling me that my father's health is deteriorating. And so I didn't tell her about the job offer. I declined the job offer. And I remember sitting in my, in my dorm room thinking, what am I going to do? I need to find a job back home and I need to go home and help my parents out. You know, my dad was dying. He was very ill. And so I knew I needed to come home. So I came home for love. And I remember having a conversation with my dance teacher and I said, well, Melba, um, I'm going to go home. I said, so do you think I could, you know, get a gig, maybe start teaching dance in the evenings and the weekends? And she says, of course. Of course, I'll give you a job to teach dance. You're one of my best dance teachers and one of my best dancers. She says, but we need to get you a real job. And I said, yeah, you're right. I, I need to get a job. And uh, what do you think I, I could do down there? And she says, well, what do you like? And I said, well, I've always wanted to go into finance and banking. And she says, well, I think I know some people down the bank, you know, down the street down here. Let me see. Why don't you send me over your resume? And let me see what I can do for you. So I send her over my resume and a couple of days later, she calls me and she says, well, you'll never believe what I did. I did the most, I did the most, uh, uh, creative way of getting your resume to the bank president. I said, what did you do? And she goes, I went through the motor bank and I put your resume in the teller tube and I send it through the chute. And I told the teller, Hey, will you get this resume to the bank president? It's a promising young lady that he needs to interview. I, I promise you, I sat in my dorm room and I thought I'm doomed. (laughs) <laughs> I'm never going to get a job offer. I'm never going to get, I'm not, I'm not even going to get a, a, you know, an interview. So a couple of days later, I'm, it was about maybe six or seven o'clock and I'll never forget because it was like the Tuesday before Thanksgiving weekend. And I get a call and, um, and he says, is this Edna DeSaro? And I said, yeah, this is she. Uh, well, you know, this is, uh, uh, Mr. Paul Moxley, who at the time was president of Texas state bank. And he says, uh, that was really creative how you sent your resume to me. And I said, <laughs> uh, and I, I paused for a minute and I told him, I said, thank you so much, sir. I said, but I, I can't get credit for that. Um, that was not me. I, I did not send you my resume in such a creative form. I said, it was actually Melba, my dance teacher. How do you know her? I said, well, she's my dance teacher when I was a little girl and I've grown up dancing at her studio. And, and so he says, well, why don't you come in? Can you come in for an interview on Friday after Thanksgiving? I said, yes, sir. I'll be there at eight o'clock. He says, how about we do 930? <laughs> I said, okay, sure. I'll be there at 930. And the rest was history. I interviewed and I ended up getting a job offer. And then 
here I am today, 24 years in banking. Wow, so, 24 20, years. That's amazing. 24 years in bank marketing. Mm-hmm. That. Thank you so much for sharing that. And, uh, and I have to ask, what do you enjoy the most about being in the banking industry? You know, what I really love the most about banking is that it's such a fast-paced industry. You know, currently the market, we, and we're all living it, you know, currently the market is very volatile. Given that the stock market is coming down, the Federal Reserve is raising rates, inflation is close to a 40-year high level, gas prices are the highest, the market is really trying to digest what is going to happen going forward. Mm -hmm. So it's a very fast-paced industry in the sense that there's a lot going on at this very moment. There, matter of fact, there's always a lot going on. But right in this time, we're living in a very, very interesting time because what I mean is that by looking at what's going on right now, we are living unprecedented times that we haven't seen this volatility in the last 30 to 40 years. I mean, let me think about it. We are experiencing unprecedented times that we have not seen in the last 30 to 40 years, which very well could be our once in a lifetime situations, right? So these challenging times that we're facing are not fun. So you're probably wondering, well, how can this be a favorite part of banking? And let me just explain that what I mean by that I enjoy the fast paced, I enjoy the fast paced of how banking has to move and conform and adjust to the changes of the market. So it's okay. always in constant adjustment. And that's what makes bank marketing interesting to me. And now you can see why I appreciate the interest of finance, right? Because it's, it's something that's constantly moving and constantly adjusting. So it's a very volatile industry. And I love that. I don't like stagnation. I don't like things that kind of sort of sit still. And marketing is like that too. Marketing is a very creative industry. It's a very creative and challenging uh, uh, area. You always have to be thinking outside the box and you always have to be thinking about how to be revolutionary and how to be different and how to, you know, be able to promote something in a very different way that no one's ever done. And so my favorite part about the industry is just how dynamic and volatile it is. Awesome. Wow. I love that, that how you said it's a constant adjustment, you know, much like life itself is a constant adjustment. And that leads me to my next question, Edna, is how do you manage to stay organized and orderly? I'm a list person. <laughs> it's so interesting that you <laughs> asked me that because, you know, like I get asked that all the time, like, how do you remember all your projects and all the things you have to do? And I'm really not fancy. Like, I just write it down. I carry a little notebook and I'm a list person. I make my list, I make my punch list for the week and then I break it down daily. And I'm always juggling multiple projects and so staying organized is key for me because I'm managing so many different projects at one time, okay? And so if I'm not making my lists, I'm not staying organized and my lists are always prioritized. So my lists are prioritized by week and then they're prioritized and organized daily. So you just have to kind of find what works for you. You know, I have a, a friend of mine, she actually um, records her voice into this little recorder and that's how she stays organized and she makes her little voice notes. See, I ask her all the time, I'm like, how does that work for you? It just works for her. And so you have to find what works for you. If it's lists, it's lists. If it's making a voice note, it's a voice note. If it's setting uh, tasks on your phone, do that. Whatever it is, post-it notes. I've been into some people's offices where they have post-it notes stuck everywhere. And you know, you probably don't even know what all those post-it notes mean, but to that person, it means everything. It's a path of organization. And so I always tell people, it doesn't matter 
what you do. You just have to find what works for you. Oh, I love that. Yes, because everybody is different and has their own way. So I love that. Thank you, Edna. Mm -hmm. And the next question I have is, what's one thing that you do on a daily basis that helps you to refocus and to realign yourself? Wow, that's a... That's a good question, especially at this moment in my life. Um, I meditate a lot. And so, you know, I, I really enjoy doing yoga and I enjoy do- working out. But what I've always done is I meditate. So when I wake up in the morning, instead of jumping right out of bed, um, I really, I really, because my life is so fast paced. Like I'm always moving from one meeting to the next, one call to the next. My phone starts ringing at seven and it just won't stop ringing till about eight, nine o'clock at night. And it's been like this for a very long time. So it's kind of sort of like that merry-go-round and you keep going round and round and round and round. And once you get off the ride, you know, it's a little crazy because you're like, whoa, you know, you've been spinning for so long and you haven't taken the time to stop. And so when I wake up, I try to enjoy that very moment of just the stillness of waking up. And so I take the time to clear my mind and I try to set my intentions out about what I want to accomplish for the day and and try to set my attitude straight you know it's hard when you have a career where you have to constantly face a lot of people you know and you have to always be like on performance you understand what i mean like i don't have a job where um you know i can't i don't have the luxury of moping you know i can't mope around i work in an office where people are constantly coming to talk to me. They're calling me. They want to see me. I have to be on camera. So imagine going through some difficult moments in your life, you know, like emotional challenges, grief, um, you know, just emotional challenges in general. I mean, imagine going through something like that, a loss, and yet you have to come to work as Edna DeSaro and you have to behave and act as if nothing is wrong. It takes a lot of mental and emotional control to do that. So each morning I clear my mind and I do my very best to leave all of my emotions in a box and I come and I address them at the right time. But when I come to work, I'm in performance mode because that's what we do. You got to come and you got to perform. You have your job duties and your responsibilities and that's, that's what we do. We work and we perform and people rely on us and Obviously, we rely on ourselves. Our family, you know, relies on us. We put food on our table and a roof over our head. So you come, you, you know, you put your emotions and you put everything that you, that's either bothering you or making you happy. You put it in boxes and you address them at a later date because our responsibilities are exactly what makes us. And so no matter what is going on in your life, you've got to perform. Yes, definitely. I love that. Thank you, Edna. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of emotional challenges and, and things like that, what what's one of the biggest challenges that you faced and how did you overcome it? You know, one of the biggest challenges that I faced in my life was precisely a wrong loss, you know, digesting loss, you know, losing my father really took the wind out of my lungs. I mean, I, I I still remember, I knew it was coming because he had been sick for a while. And so I, I knew it was coming, but you know, it's so true. Like you're never ready, you know, to lose someone, especially to lose somebody that has been so good to you in so many ways. You know, uh, my father loved me unconditionally, loved all my pluses and all my minuses, loved all my good attributes and my not so good attributes that we all have. And you know, he just, you know, when I, when I lost him, I knew that I had 
reached a point where I needed to process the importance of what loss is and understanding and digesting loss. And I think that the process of digesting and understanding loss, because we all experience it, you know, you lose a relationship, you lose someone you love, you lose a family member, um, you're, you know, it kind of puts you in perspective and puts you in check. And then you, you, it's a process of mature, of maturity. And so that's been one of the biggest challenges that I faced is understanding and overcoming loss. You know, your body um, at the time, you know, when I lost my father, this is something very personal, but I'll certainly share it with all of you. Um, you know, when I was in the process of digesting loss, the loss of my father, um, I thought I was managing it perfectly. I was coming to work. I was, you know, uh, producing. I was on top of my game. Um you know, I was handling, I thought I was handling my emotions just fine. And then all of a sudden I'm at my salon and my hairdresser says, uh, Ms. Desaro, you have a bald spot in the back of your head. And I said, excuse me? And I had a bald spot probably the size of a silver dollar in the back of my head that I hadn't even noticed. So I, I panicked because I thought, oh my gosh, what's going on with me? So I ended up at the dermatologist's office and I'll never forget Dr. Newton looking at me and saying, what's going on with you? Because your body is freaking out. You are, your body is basically um, showing grief and loss in a very physical way. And so your hair is literally falling. And I thought, my goodness, I mean, I had to really wrap my arms around that one and my head around that. And that's when he taught me about, you know, you got to express your emotions and you can't bottle them up inside. And I think that's one thing about me that is also very challenging is that it takes a lot for me to express my emotions. Uh, even though people may say that I'm very expressive, but when I am expressive and I say things like I love you and, and, um, and, and things that I'm loyal to, and when I give of myself, I give of myself in a very real way. And so when you experience loss, a person like me is what I understand is it's a very hard loss. And I internalize a lot of my emotions. I don't really express my emotions. And so my body kind of sort of, uh, you see that grief in other ways on my body. Does that make sense? Um, yes. Very so much. I've had to learn how to control uh, my grief in different ways or my loss or, or, or the feeling of loss. And so I think it's just a process of maturity. And, you know, um, we all go through it in our lifetime. You know, some people lose their jobs, lose their careers, lose their homes, lose, like I said, a husband, a family, a, a, a child. You know, I know people that have lost their children. Um, uh, like I said, a relationship. I mean, just loss comes in very many, many different ways. And so I think it's important that we all learn how to overcome and how to understand and how to embrace the loss and release those emotions. Yeah, no, thank you so much for sharing that, Edna, because, you know, as women, you know, working women, we get so caught up and I'm so glad you shared that because you said you're not dealing with, you were, were you, would you feel like you were ignoring it and that's why it showed up physically because you weren't addressing how you were feeling? Yeah, I wasn't talking yeah. about it, you know, I, I, yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't talking about it. It's, it's really that simple. You know, I wasn't talking about it with my mom because I wanted to show her strength about the loss of my dad. And I wasn't really talking to anybody about it. And so, you know, I can tell you even today, you know, when I experience things of, you know, situations of loss or of grief or of sadness, I have a difficult time expressing them. But I, and talking about it because I, I 
you know, I internalize a lot of things. And so I think it's important to who do you feel safe with? And I have a really difficult time uh, bringing down that wall. (laughs) So when I finally bring my wall down, that big, great old wall, you know, um, it, it comes from a very genuine space because you bring down the wall and you express yourself and you feel like you're in that nest of trust and you feel like you're in that uh, safety net area, right? And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. And so, yeah, my, my, your body, all of our bodies manifest, you know, grief and sorrow and loss in different ways. Some people overeat, some people drink, uh, some people don't sleep. Some people lose their hair. Some people get uh, get uh, they break out in hives and rashes. I, I have a friend of mine. Um, you know, she gets flare ups, skin flare ups when she's under a lot of stress. Uh, but you know, I, I I really admire people that can talk about their emotions. And when you're angry, and when people are angry, they actually say that they're angry and they explain why they're angry and why they're sad and why they feel a certain way. I don't, I internalize a lot of things. And so I've had to kind of sort of ta- teach myself throughout the years that it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to show when I'm hurting or when something's bothering me. Wow. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Edna. If you could give advice to a young girl who desires to work in banking or be go into marketing and just be as successful as you are, what would you tell her to do and to always remember? Such a great question. You know, I think back to when I first started in banking and how, you know, my mindset at the time, I I ran circles around people. I remember, and it wasn't because I was trying to prove myself to anybody. It's because I was just so darn excited. You know what I mean? Like I was just, I was like so excited to have a job and I was so excited to be someone and to be something and to make something of myself. And I wanted to work and I wanted to provide for my parents and I wanted, you know, all the things that we all dream of when we're young college graduates, you know, I wanted a car and I wanted to someday own a home and 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 I wanted to know what financial freedom was like, right? So I knew that I had to work really hard and I, and I loved what I did from the very beginning. So one of my biggest advices for anybody going into banking and or in any career, especially if it's in marketing, is you really have to love what you do. If you love what you do, you will never work a day in your life. And it's a fact. You know, I come to the office, I get to the office sometimes six o'clock in the morning, 6 30, 7 a.m. I mean, you know, I've got early, like tomorrow morning, I have a 7 a.m. meeting. So I'll be at the office by 6 30 in the morning, which translates to me getting up at five. You know, I'm a girl and I love makeup and I love heels and I like to get ready. So it takes me a good <laughs> hour, hour and a half, you know, to get ready and walk out the door. So when you have a seven o'clock meeting, it translates into five o'clock. So how do you become successful is you've got to love what you do. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. You have to love what you do. If you're not waking up in the morning and loving what you do, it's going to be hard. You can still manage and you can still make it happen. But I mean, I I just, I feel like you got to love what you do. And then more than anything in banking, you know, I've I've always told bankers, I'm like, guys, first of all, let me, I want to put this out there. The whole bankers hours thing really doesn't exist because bankers have really long hours, guys. We, we really don't work short hours, but what really works in banking is networking. So I would tell a young banker, you got to network, network, network. 
You got to put yourself out there, meet a whole lot of people because it's a referral driven business and industry. So banking, whether you're sitting behind a lender's desk or you're sitting behind a desk where you're handling retail, meaning opening accounts, you're going to rely on people giving you referrals for business. So networking is number one. That's key. Loving what you do is very important and attitude. It's just basically having an attitude of wanting to make a difference. And that honestly has just been, there's no secret formula to what's made me successful today. It's just, I love what I do. I've been consistent and here I am today. You know, it's, I, I have no secret formula. It's interesting because, you know, I've always heard, you know, work hard and network to the point where you don't need a business card to introduce yourself, right? People just know who you are. And I always tell people, I'm like, you're never going to be able to get to, for everybody to know who you are, but it's a job. It's a daily job. And when you're in banking or even in any industry, you know, I, I, I know people that are, you know, attorneys and CPAs and they make an effort to go to networking events after hours. You know, they could go home at five o'clock and call it a day, but they don't. They understand the intrinsic value of going out in the community and, you know, volunteering, becoming involved, giving back. I mean, that's a huge part of a huge element, honestly, of what's made me the person that I am today. You know, is the fact that I believe in the value of social responsibility and the, the value of giving back. And I and I can tell you that that's why I'm happy working here at Lone Star National Bank, because that's one of our founding values is the fact that we believe in giving back to the community. And so by giving back, you're not only filling your heart, but you're giving your life purpose. And you're also networking and meeting people that will open doors for opportunities for growth and opportunities for the bank and opportunities for you personally. So um, it's getting involved, getting out there, network, network, network. I always tell people, gotta get out. you got to get out there and meet people. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Mujeres in the Know podcast. It's your host, Natalie here. And until next time, remember to please stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye and adios.